Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Worship Center in Brighton, Michigan. We hope you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit faithworshipcenter.org. Tonight we're continuing our teaching series on servant leadership, servant leadership. Now, I have been actually really encouraged myself as we've been going through uh, this teaching series and really seeing uh, what the Bible gives us as an example for leadership. You know, there's many different uh, leadership seminars out there, and there's a lot of leadership books out there, and uh, and a lot of good leadership podcasts, and and some of it is uh, comes straight from the word, and then others is just kind of business leadership that just kind of uh, builds up the flesh or whatever the case. But we see in the word of God, we see true examples of leadership, and we've talked about how Jesus is the greatest example of a leader who ever walked the face of this earth, and his leadership was best to find is best def- best defined as servant leadership. Jesus, he was a leader, but he came to serve and he served those around him. He made friends with those who uh, basically were despised in society. He made friends with the tax collectors and with the publicans. He, he reached out to the sinners. He reached out to the sick. He reached out to the handicapped, the people that nobody would even find themselves around. Those were the people that Jesus was drawn to uh, the most. He bypassed, he would oftentimes bypass the whole crowd just to get to that one person that was in desperate need for a touch. And uh, I have found in ministry, sometimes you can get lost in the crowd and you can lose sight of the needs. And so we ought to pray that God would give us a sensitivity and a compassion for people who are going through various different things. But we started off talking about humility. That was the first thing that we dealt with. I think anytime you're dealing with leadership that you've got to set the tone with humility, I believe that the way up in, in ministry is down. I believe that if we want to ascend, that it begins with descending. If we want to be used in a greater capacity, then we have to stay humble uh, in where God has us. Us right now. Now, I have learned really in, in ministry, and I'll mention what our topic is tonight here shortly, but I have learned in ministry that just by simply showing honor, the Bible says to show honor to whom honor is due, that in and of itself will open up so many doors and so many opportunities. And to be honest with you, most of the opportunities that God has opened up and the different individuals that God has used to open up doors, uh, to be honest with you, the relationships that I built were in no way intended for personal opportunities or personal platforms. I think that ministry is all about people. And when you build relationships with people and you network with people, then doors will open up. Amen. And so uh, we believe in building relationships. So we dealt with humility and then we dealt with calling and we talked about how the call of God, it comes directly from God. It comes directly from the Lord. It's the Lord who calls you. And tonight I want to deal with the topic of preparation preparation. Before we do, let's just ask the Lord's blessing here tonight. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we ask you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to minister your word to those here, those watching by live stream, wherever they might be watching or listening from. Lord, we ask that you would speak through us here tonight. And Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Galatians chapter 1 
verses 15 and 16, Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, the apostle Paul said, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. And then in verse 16, it says to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Again, you see Paul, he said that Christ called him from his mother's womb. He separated him from the time he was in his mother's womb. God already had a plan for him. Before you were in your mother's womb, God already had a plan. He already had a purpose for your life. And it said in verse 16 that he revealed his son in him that he might preach him. And so we see here with the apostle Paul that before he preached his revelation of Christ, that first he had to get a revelation of Christ. Before he could preach the revelation revelation of the new covenant he had to get a personal revelation of the new covenant in his life now I believe that preparation is just as important if not more important than the ministry itself I'll say that again I believe that preparation is just as important if not more important than the ministry itself you see in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19 that Jesus told the disciples he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Again, follow me. And, and you notice here, he doesn't say follow me and you will be fishers of men. No, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There's a, there, there's a process. Right when you get saved, I believe that, that immediately after somebody responds to the call of God that is upon their life, that the Lord begins to prepare them for the work that he has called them to do. And oftentimes that time of preparation means going through testing. It means going through trial. Now, when I had gone to a seminary, I had attended seminary for five years. At that time, it was called World Evangelism Bible College, and we had a nickname for it, Wilderness Experience Bible College. Because when you're studying the Word of God, other people call it World Evangelism Bridal College, but uh, when you study the Word of God, God has to then take what we're learning, the head knowledge, and it's then, it then has to go down to our heart. And so the only way for the Word to become real to us is for our faith to be put to the test and to go through times and seasons and, and trials and tribulations where we have to rely upon the Word of God. It's one thing to have a life jacket on, but it's another thing to be thrown into the water and to know whether or not the life jacket actually works. And so God he'll teach you his word and then you've got to get that personal revelation and so Paul said going back to Galatians he said that first Christ had to reveal himself to him that he might preach him uh, among the heathen and so uh, when we want to be used by God we ought to desire a deeper personal revelation of Jesus because I believe that there's a difference between preaching about Jesus and preaching Jesus you notice that Paul did not say that I might preach about him he said that I might preach him he was preaching Jesus from a personal revelation and God he wants to make himself real to you he wants you to have a personal revelation 
revelation of him as your savior, as your deliverer, as your healer, as a baptizer in the Holy Spirit in every capacity in your life so that when you get up and you proclaim the word of God, it will no longer be something that you just read. It will no longer be something that you just heard, but you're going to be preaching from a personal revelation and you're going to be able to preach it under the anointing and the unction of the Holy Spirit with boldness, knowing that it is real because you have have experienced it for yourself. And so Paul said, before I preached him, first Christ had to reveal himself to me. Second Timothy chapter two and verse 15, it says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. He's quick on the scriptures here tonight. I like that. I didn't even give him the references tonight. We appreciate you, Mike. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Mike. He helps out with a lot of things that go unseen, and we, we appreciate him here tonight. And so Paul told Timothy, he says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. I believe, especially when it comes to prophecy, I believe that one of the most important uh, aspects of a prophet is to have a true understanding of the word of God. I remember hearing a prophecy one time that went forth that said, uh, I will deliver you just like Abraham delivered the children of Israel uh, out of Egyptian bondage instead of Moses. Kind of missed it there. <laughs> and so you've got to, the Bible says we've got to study uh, the word of God, to uh, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy chapter four, verses two through five. This was the first passage of scripture I had ever preached on. It was right after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it was in uh, Pastor Bob Cornell's uh, class uh, during a, a devotion. I remember when I preached this passage, the Spirit of God just came all over me, and I, it was really from that moment I felt an unction to preach the gospel. But it says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. We'll read the following verse, but I want to go back to verse two first. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now, I love that phrase there to be instant in season and out of season. I believe that when God has called you to preach the word of God, that you've got to be willing to preach the word of God at any moment, at any time, anytime the door opens up, you've got to be ready to go. Uh, I have learned in, in ministry to always be available. Uh, when doors open up, I try to be there. Uh, I don't think I have ever uh, had to cancel uh, preaching engagement, ministry engagement. Uh, and if God forbid I ever do in the future, it will be because there's no way possible for me to get there. But when I tell somebody I'll be somewhere, I'm going to be there. Uh, and I try to be available. I believe that out of sight is out of mind. And, you know, just showing up sometimes will go a long ways and open up more doors and more opportunities. So it says, be ready in season and out of season. 
I think sometimes we can get so focused on the season that we're in in life and everything happening around us that we can forget to be ready and ready to be uh, ready to preach the gospel. But he said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, the Bible here speaks of a great falling falling away from the truth of the word of God. There's many scriptures throughout the word of God that says that many will depart from the faith. But Paul said here in in the next verse, in verse 5, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of your ministry. So Paul, I want to go back to verse 2 one more time. He said, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. There's a time for reproof. And let me say this about reproof and correction. Correction is never easy. It's never easy for the person giving it. And it's never easy for the person receiving it. But it's a part of ministry. It's a part of leadership. Sometimes you have to uh, correct. You are responsible as a preacher of the word of God to look out for the body of Christ. And let me say this, that in ministry and in leadership and in pastoring, you have the big picture. You see the big picture. You see all aspects of the ministry. And as individuals, sometimes we only see this. And unfortunately, you can't always share this with that. And not everybody's going to understand the big picture. And so that's why you've got to rely upon the Lord for wisdom. You've got to trust God for direction. You've got to stay humble. And you've got to ask the Lord to show you how to handle situations in ministry, situations in leadership. Because there's going to be situations in leadership and ministry ministry that no matter how long you went to Bible college or seminary for, it, you, it just, you can't, you, it's not going to train you for everything. And, and uh, I remember soon after I came uh, up here to pastor, a good friend of mine uh, down in uh, Bradenton, Florida, Pastor Bill Bailey, uh, I, I tell him he's a pastor's pastor. But, you know, he's been pastoring for about 30 years, and I remember talking to him about this, and I remember him saying, yeah, if you ever, you know, uh, go through a, a challenging time, just, just give me a call. But he said, I'll be honest with you, I've been pastoring for 30 years, and I still face situations I've never faced before, and I've just got to go to God for wisdom. I've just got to ask the Lord for wisdom, and we'll be talking more about that here shortly. But I, I want to emphasize how important Uh, preparation is for ministry. You see uh, many examples throughout the word of God, and we won't have time tonight to hit on all of them, uh, but one of them is Jesus himself. Jesus, he went through 30 years until he started his ministry, and then his ministry only lasted, uh, lasted three and a half years. You see John the Baptist, who again started his ministry at about 30 years old, and after 30 years of preparing for his ministry, his ministry only lasted six months. And and so the preparation is so very important, and there's so many different things that God is doing throughout our time of preparation, and and, and we're going to talk about some of those things that God is doing, and um, and really what, what does preparation for ministry entail? 
Because I believe that preparation for ministry is more than uh, studying theology because there's people uh, who go through four years of seminary and Bible college and they, they still never really got a personal revelation of Jesus and truly applied what they had and what they heard uh, to their life. So what, what is God doing throughout preparation? Number one, God is producing the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. So those are fruit that only the Spirit of God can produce in us. You see, when we stand up behind a pulpit, we want people not to see us, but we want people to see Jesus. We want people to see the love. We want people to see the compassion. We want people uh, to see the care. And so that's one of the things that God is doing through our time of preparation. He's got to produce the fruit of the Spirit in us, and he's got to rid us of the works of the flesh. And I think that any of us, if we were to be honest, There's so much more in our life that God wants to do in us, that God wants to change in us. And no matter how long we've been in ministry, uh, you know, I've I've been around some people that that God is using in a tremendous way around the world. But you'll see that they go through challenges and they go through struggles and they go through hardship because they're human beings and nobody is perfect. And so that's why you learn in ministry to be, when it comes to other preachers, you've got to be compassionate. You've got to be uh, sympathetic and you've got to be there uh, to restore them. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We all messed up and we all mess up. And so we got to have uh, the right spirit toward those people. Now, God, he's also producing character in us. We talked about on Sunday, we talked about Saul how the Bible said that Saul, that he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Saul, he, he was tall. Saul, he had the appearance he had the height to be king, but he didn't have the heart to be king. And, and it's one thing to have for us to have the height, but it's another thing for us to have the heart, for us to have the love, for us to have the compassion. And, you know, I'll tell you, coming up here in pastoring, uh, you develop more compassion for people. When you're traveling and you're evangelizing, and I had the opportunity to do that for a long time, full-time evangelism all over the country, and I went to about 17 different countries, you know what evangelists do? They blow in, they blow up, and they blow out. (laughs) They blow in, they blow up, and they blow out. If there's any problems, you just leave it for the pastor. (laughs) The pastor tells you what they're going through, well, I'll keep you in prayer. Then you move on to your next church and you just forget about them. It's kind of nice. Now, there's a lot of challenges that come with evangelism too, but you don't really have to work with people. You don't have to really work with people through things because you're constantly on the go. But when you're pastoring, you're dealing with people day in and day out. And anytime there's people, there's problems. We're all imperfect people. The moment I walk into a church, uh, a problem walks into the church. Amen. Because with people come problems, but we don't keep our focus on the problems. We keep our focus on the problem solver. You see, leaders do not keep their focus on the problems. They focus on the solution to the problems. That's the difference between a leader and a non-leader. There comes times to address problems, but you can't stay focused on the problems. You've got to stay focused on Jesus. He's the problem solver. You've got to keep your focus on the mission. You've got to keep your focus on the Great Commission. And you've got 
got to keep going forward in Jesus' mighty name. There's no time to get distracted. There's no time to get dismayed. There's souls to be won. There's lives to be changed. There's a work to be done. And you've got to get up and you've got to keep pressing and you've got to keep moving. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that? And so God, he wants to develop character in us. He wants our character to complement uh, our calling. I never want to be a different person from behind the pulpit than I am in the grocery store or I'm, uh, at the restaurant. You know, some, some uh, servers, it's sad. Some servers feel like church folk or some of the rudest people, you know, after they get out of church and they go out to eat and they're just bossy and they tell them what to do. Uh, and, and so, and they don't leave a tip. They leave them a gospel track instead of a tip. Please don't ever do that. <laughs> and, and so, and so that character, it's our character is intended to, to complement our calling. Now, there's been times where I have seen uh, character flaws in the past and, and people would say, well, that's just my personality. That's just who I am. But Jesus, he wants to change our personality. And, and, and when I started pastoring, uh, in many ways, God kind of took the edge off in many different ways because in ministry, I realized I have to truly care. I truly have to be compassionate for people. Uh, you know, you preach on television and you say something somebody doesn't like, they just flip the channel. They were probably sitting in their recliner anyway, eating a bag of Cheetos. Uh, they didn't go out of their way to hear you. And it doesn't take uh, a whole lot of work just to skip to the next channel. But when you have people who drive to church and they drive an hour and they drive an hour and a half and they drive two hours to come and hear the word of God, you want to do what Jesus told Peter to do, and that's to feed the sheep, to give them what is actually going to help them. And what I had to do, Brother Marty was joking around about uh, the soapbox, but you know, when I, I started pastoring, I realized that there were some soapboxes that I was on that I had to step off of. Not that what I was saying wasn't true, but I had to focus on what the people really need. What is actually going to help them, whether it's, it's truth that's easy to hear or truth that's hard to hear, I'd have to evaluate myself, no matter what it is. Is, no matter what I'm saying, is this going to leave the people off better off when they leave than when they came? You've, that, that's the heart that God has to give you in ministry. You've got to be focused on what is actually going to help the people. And what's actually going to help the people is preaching Jesus, lifting up Jesus Christ, lifting up the finished work of Jesus. That's what's going to change a heart and that's what's going to change a life. Amen. And so God, he's developing not only the fruit of the spirit and not only character, but he's developing compassion. You would see time and time again where Jesus, he would, he would be moved with compassion. The compassion in his heart would move him. The compassion in his heart would drive him. It would lead him to do what he did and, and, and said what, say what he said. And, and, and you know, there, there are many preachers that God uses in my life uh, as an example uh, of leaders. And I, I have a lot of different people that I look up to. I might be a pastor, but I, I look up to a lot of people and I, I take counsel from people. I believe there's safety in the multitude of counselors. And so you've got, that's one thing uh, that's important, I believe, in leadership is to learn uh, who to have around you and to receive wisdom, to receive insight, uh, to get feedback from people. Because sometimes the people around you this is one thing I've learned is that sometimes there can be a problem and everybody know about it except the pastor because nobody wants to tell the pastor. And so when you've got a team of people uh, that can give you honest feedback, 
not only do they know about problems that already exist, but they're already thinking about the solution to those problems. And so when you can listen, I believe a big part is very important at times in ministry to listen. It can be really hard for preachers to listen because we're so used to doing a lot of the talking, but there comes time where we got to listen. There comes time when we got to receive input. When I'm facing big decisions, I, number one, I go to the Lord in prayer and also I'll confer with other pastors say, hey, what do you think about this? What, what's your, how would you handle this situation? And I believe there's safety in that. There's there's wisdom in that because it's very possible they went through something very similar. Or they are going through something very similar. And so to confer with them, uh, there's safety in that. There's safety in the multitude of counselors. But he, God is developing com- compassion in us. He's, he's given us a true love for people. When people come in this door, no matter what the back, I like what uh, Dave said yesterday. He said, I, I want people to pull up in the parking lot when they get out and beer cans roll out the door coming to church. I said, absolutely. That's the kind of people we want. We're not looking for perfect people. We're looking for messed up people. We're looking for people who are broken, people that are bound, people that are hurting. You feel like your life is screwed up and you're in the pit of, of despair. You feel like there's no hope. Maybe you're shooting uh, in, uh, up and down your arm. You've got track marks up and down your arm and you're lost without God. You're the people we want to come to church. And, and, and when you come in this church, we're not going to look down on you because of the way you look. We're going to let you know there's hope for you. We're going to let you know that Jesus loves you. We're going to let you know that Jesus can set you free. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what nationality, what background, what culture. Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus came for the worst of the worst. The apostle Paul, he said, I'm the chief of all sinners. He said, I'm, I'm the least of all apostles, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I know that you and I are only where we are here, only who we are here today because of the grace of God. And it's only the grace of God who can bring the sinner unto salvation. It's only the, the grace of God that can bring the addict to deliverance and freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we want them to come as they are and not to stay as they are we want them to come in and leave changed in Jesus mighty name amen that's what we want we are an evangelistic church we are a missional church we are a church I look at this church like I would as if I was out in Africa or uh, Latin America or Europe Uh, I look at it as a mission field I, I want to see people saved. I want to see our number one focus and number one priority should be to see souls come in to the kingdom of God. And so God, in our time of preparation, he's developing the fruit of the spirit. He's developing character. He's developing uh, compassion. Another thing that he's developing in us is a burden, a true burden. One of... The greatest uh, messages that uh, I heard uh, and one of the greatest messages that many people would attest to from David Wilkerson was a message called uh, A Call to Anguish. And I remember he asked the question, where are the Sunday school teachers who weep over children who know are not hearing the truth and are lost without God? And he asked, he asked, do you have a, an anguish for the lost? 
a, a deep-seated burden that is so strong that it becomes painful. You see, Nehemiah, the Bible said that when he heard that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, that he wept and he mourned and he fasted. There was a burden that came, uh, came upon him when he saw the condition of his city. And I believe that God wants to give us a true burden for souls. If we don't have a burden, then we shouldn't be preaching because we've got to preach with a burden for people. And, and, and the people, the preachers that God has used, as an example in my life are people that preach on very convicting things, but they preach on them with a lot of compassion and a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. And oftentimes the way something is said will determine whether or not it's received, even when it's true. And so not only is it important to preach the right thing, but it's important to have the right presentation and to do it with love, to do it with compassion and to do it with care. And so we are a church that, that preaches on on sin. We preach against sin. We preach on very convicting things, but at the same time, we do it with compassion. We do it with a burden for souls. We do it because we want to see people uh, led in the ways of God. We want to see people come out of sin. We want to see people come out of bondage, and so we do it out of a true burden. And you know, you see with Jesus in John chapter 11, uh, verses uh, 33 and 35, with Lazarus, it says, uh, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, one of the most powerful verses in all of the word of God, it said that Jesus wept. This is the son of God. This is God in the flesh who holds all power in his hands. And yet Jesus was touched with the feeling of the infirmities. The Bible said that not only has Jesus been tempted like we have been tempted. And not only has Jesus gone through affliction. But now he is able to help us. He's able to aid us to succor us when we go through times of difficulty. Jesus, he wept with them. Jesus, he had a true burden for those who were in need. And so God, in our time of preparation, he's developing a burden. Something else that God has to produce in us is wisdom. God's got to give us wisdom. We have to have wisdom and leadership. And we talked about with Solomon, how Solomon, God asked him, if there's anything I can give you, what would it be? And Solomon, he could have asked for more wealth. He could have asked for more riches. He could have asked uh, to be more wealthy, but instead Solomon, he asked for wisdom to lead the people of God. And God said, because you have asked for wisdom, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you all the things that you didn't even ask for. The Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And the most important thing in ministry and leadership that we've got to ask for is God, uh, I need wisdom. The Bible says in James chapter one, verse five, if anybody lack, uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. He gives you wisdom freely. All, all you have to do is ask God. 
All you've got to do is ask the Lord for wisdom, and the Bible says that God will give you wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into, and, uh, lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. I love Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. Jesus said, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like a sheep in the midst of wolves? That's why I want to be a gazelle. I still, want, I still don't want to be a sheep. I want to be able to run. I want to be able to run away from the wolves. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, I'm going to make you a gazelle so you can outrun the wolves. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a lion so you can devour the wolves. He said, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you a sheep in the midst of wolves. And then he said this, he said, be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You see, Samuel was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. And yet you see times when Samuel was as bold as a lion and would stand in, in the face of a king and say, behold, your kingdom shall be stripped from you. And then he, he weeps over Saul. You, you, you see him go from being a lion, roaring like a lion, to whimpering like a lamb. Isn't that what being a Christian is about, knowing when to be a lamb and when to be a lion? Yes. Jesus said, uh, you've got to be as wise as serpents. Sometimes one of the wisest things that we can do is say nothing. Um, I love how Lauren Larson says it. Sometimes we've got to practice our shut-ups, amen? We all got to practice them. Sometimes wisdom is not saying anything and just letting God take care of it. He, he, he said, therefore, be wise as serpents. And then he said, be harmless as doves. The Bible says that we should strive for the unity of the brethren in the bond of peace. You've got to use wisdom because if you speak too soon or you say the wrong thing, then it can actually cause harm to the body of Christ. And so you've got to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. But he said the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the fear of God there is not a kind of fear where you're afraid of God, but it's an awesome respect that you have for God. And I, I think that that's really where wisdom and knowledge comes into play. And, and this is actually Lauren Larson, when he got saved, when he was high on cocaine and he had bush beer and lines of cocaine next to him and he opened up his Bible, uh, it was this truth that actually led him to salvation, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's that awesome respect for God that you have. That's what the fear of God is. And I think that any leader that God has risen up in the ministry as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, that we must never lose that awesome respect for God. We must always have a fear of God, uh, a fear of the Lord. John chapter 16 and verse 13 says this, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, 
For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever uh, he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you the things to come. And so you've got the Spirit of God in you, leading you, guiding you, directing you what to say. Sometimes we don't know what to say, and we've just got to allow the Spirit of God to speak through us. And one thing I've learned in ministry is, is sometimes you've got to wait to say anything, because when emotions are high, wisdom is low. That's an important important thing that I live by in ministry. I think any leader needs to take that into consideration. When emotions are high, wisdom is low. Uh, if you get an email, somebody sends you an email and they're trying to tear you down. Let me say this. Usually when it's an anonymous email uh, or it's uh, an anonymous uh, social media account that wants to say something to you, it's probably not going to be a friendly one. Um, because usually people that attack and go on the offense, usually they don't want to show their face. But when you get an email like that, sometimes your first response will, will be to get worked up and you want to uh, just go crazy and defend yourself, but that's not wisdom. I, I, I believe that when, when emotions are high, wisdom is low, and sometimes you've got to sleep on it. Sometimes you've got to wait until the, you're detached from the emotions and say, Lord, I, I need clarity in thought. I need clarity in speech. I need you to direct me on what to say. I need you to direct me on how to say things. And so when emotions are high, wisdom is low. And so we got to ask God for wisdom. Another thing that God is developing in us through our time of preparation is maturity. Maturity. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11, the apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child and I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things and leadership. You've got to put away childish things. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And you see, sometimes I have seen a ministry before where people get into big positions prematurely and it really have a negative effect on them. And, and the Bible talks about putting a novice in office because we've got to be properly prepared for what God has called us to do. And I think that there's a difference between, you know, when God says somebody is ready and people think that uh, somebody is ready, because sometimes when God puts you in a position, we're never totally ready. We're always, God is always doing more work in us. God is always preparing us for greater things. But through that time, he's producing more maturity in us. He's showing us how to deal with certain situations. He's showing us uh, how to respond to certain uh, situations, how to uh, conduct our ourselves, how to, uh, how to lead as God intends for us to lead. Another thing that God is producing in us is discernment. God has to give us discernment. We have to discern what is of God and what is not of God. We have to discern uh, what is of the Lord and what is not of the Lord. We have to discern what the will of God is. We have to discern what God's wisdom is. We have to discern what God's instruction is. God, he has to give us discernment. Not everybody has the, the gift of discernment, but I believe that all of us are given. I think that some people have a gift. They have a, a special gift to discern certain things. 
Um, the Bible says that that gift is one that the Holy Spirit suffers as he wills. But I believe that all of us have the discernment that we need for what God has for us in our life. And we ought to pray for God to give us discernment. Lord, help me discern your will. Help me to discern what's not your will. Help me to discern what is the door you're opening. Help me to discern what door you are not opening. So God, he's developing discernment. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true... Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are, are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. We've got, in leadership, you've got to keep your mind right, you've got to keep your focus right. Not on the problems, not on the issues that will never lead down a good road. You have to keep your focus on the solution to the problems. You got to keep your mind on whatsoever is just, what is, whatsoever is true and honest and, and pure and lovely is of a good report. If there be any praise, think on these things. Amen. Sometimes we, uh, we have to readjust our thinking. We have to readjust our mind because sometimes we get carried away in our thoughts and we've got to get our, our mind back on the word of God. We've got to get our mind back on truth. And one other thing I want to deal with here tonight that God is producing in us is grace. God is producing grace in us. As we are being prepared for ministry, God has to give us more grace for people. Colossians chapter four and verse six says this, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Let your speech always be grace, be with grace, seasoned with salt. You know, I think sometimes people can get labeled as like a, uh, you know, like a, compromising preacher because they're compassionate. You see, you don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. Uh, some people think that when you're loving and that you're comparing, uh, not comparing, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, caring or compassionate. Some people think that we, when you're compassionate and that you're caring, that you're compromising your convictions. That's not the case. You can be compassionate and never compromise your convictions. You can show your love and your care for people and never compromise the convictions that the Holy Spirit has given to you. And, and, and so that's important to understand. You do not have to have a resolution to have reconciliation. And there's people in ministry, people with great influence that I have seen written off in ministry. And I, I, I feel the opposite. I'm like, hey... I, God could do something great through them. They, they have a lot of influence. I know a lot of people in the church world has written them off and the newspapers have said this and, and they, they've said that, but I actually see a potential for them to get to where they need to be. I want to be compassionate. I want to be caring. I want them to know, hey, I care about you. And when you build that love and you build that relationship, then you have the opportunity to actually have an influence on people. Uh, you'll never accomplish anything just sitting on the sidelines, tearing people down. You're never going to reach anybody. You'll just isolate yourself. The church is called to reach out. I remember talking uh, to somebody, a friend of mine down in Louisiana, and uh, you know he gets a lot of criticism because he builds a lot of relationships with a lot of different preachers. Um, people think because he's building relationships with these different preachers that he's compromising. And what, what I was saying to him in his office is that 
you actually have an influence on these people. The, you actually have an influence on these other preachers while people are sitting on the sidelines and, and, and tearing you down and tearing the other people down. These people actually, actually look up to you and you have the opportunity to have an influence on them. You have an opportunity to actually minister to them. You have an opportunity to actually help them along the way. And that's what the church should be doing. The church needs to be compassionate. I'm not talking about compromising doctrine. I'm not talking about taking false doctrine lightly. I'm talking about having a heart of love, having a heart of compassion, having a heart of grace that actually wants to reach out and help pick people back up. That actually wants to help people who may be caught up in false doctrine, but you say, hey, uh, I want you to know that I care about you. And when you show that care, when you show that love, and I've shared this story before, but I, I, I remember uh, about a year or two ago, I was at a particular event and there was uh, several pre preachers there that if I mentioned the names, you would know who they are. And one of them, uh, I mean, she has gotten teared down uh, in the newspapers and on the, on, on the news because, you know, she would be uh, praying for Trump and, and speaking in tongues in the Oval Office. And, and people said she's crazy and she's a wacko and whatever the case. And, and I'll be honest, there's probably some things that I don't agree with doctrinally. But when I was on that stage and we are praying for the country and they began to pray in the Holy Spirit, and they began to pray in tongues. I felt the Spirit of God. And I said, you know what, Lord? I may not agree with everything with her, but you know what? She's my sister in Christ. I, I have three sisters, uh, biological sisters, and I challenge, challenge, challenge myself with the question, what if one of my actual sisters taught exactly what she taught how would I treat my actual sister? I would still love my actual sister. I would still care for her. And, and when we stood up and she turned around, she gave me a hug up on the stage. Uh, all I felt to do is say, thank you for what you do. I felt in my heart toward her like I do one of my own actual biological sisters. And I think that it's important, and, and man, people, trust me, when you're in certain situations, sometimes you can be exactly where God has called you to be. God can have you, uh, uh, have you uh, as an influence upon certain people, and then people on the sidelines will just, they like to, you know, in ministry, sometimes people like to put stickers on you. You know, they just use these catchphrases and they like to bunch people up. And that's another thing I never do. I, I look at every preacher on an individual basis. I think that every preacher gets the benefit of the doubt. When I see a platform full of preachers, I don't label them all the same thing. They're all different preachers. They probably all have different views. They have probably very different ministries. And so I'm not going to judge them all because they're all on the same platform. Uh, you have to evaluate each ministry on an individual basis. And you've got to do it with love you got to do with grace. And sometimes when God leads you to certain places that have an influence on certain people, people will be critical of you. People will say you're compromising. People will say that you're, uh, you're, you're becoming one of them and you're going in this direction, that direction. You just got to tune all that out. You got to just focus on where the Lord sends you because sometimes where God sends you, nobody will ever understand. Uh, and, and the more influence you have, the more criticism you'll have. Uh, if you, um, yeah, well, that could be said there, but the, the, the higher the trees, the stronger the winds. 
Uh, and so the greater, if, if you weren't having any impact, then you wouldn't have any criticism. Criticism, But the more impact you have and the more reach you have, there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be people that are judgmental. There's always going to be nitpickers. There's always going to be people that are looking for you to just to say one wrong thing so they can write you off. And in the meantime, most of the time, those people aren't even preaching. They're just kind of sitting on the sidelines watching the players play. They're not even in the game. And so we've got to be mindful of what the Lord has for us. We got to be focused on what the Lord is doing and we got to tune out distractions. We got to tune out distractors and say, Lord, where do you want me to go? Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to preach? Who do you want me to have an influence on? And, and I told pastor, uh, well, uh, that pastor friend of mine, I said, those people that are critical of him, I said, they will never, ever, 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 ever have the opportunity to ever have the influence on these preachers that they have. And, and so I think that you got to just tune that out and say, Lord, I want to reach everybody. I want to reach uh, the unsaved and I want to reach those that are saved and that are off course and caught up in whatever it might be. I want to see them come into the truth. I want them to be restored in the truth. And that's the kind of heart that God has to give us in leadership. And oftentimes we have to lay aside personal emotions, personal agendas for me. In ministry, I always, especially with this church, I always ask with any big decision, I ask the Lord, Lord, not what's best for me, but what's best for the church? What's best for the body? Uh, the Bible says uh, a shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And in a ministry, you've got to, it's more than, you know, Sunday and Wednesday, you, you, you are surrendering your will to the work of God, to Christ, for the body of Christ. And I always try to keep myself out of the equation. I try to remain humble. I try to be as gentle and gracious as possible and ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? If anyone lack wisdom, let them ask of God who gives it freely. So if you're ever facing a difficult time in leadership, not when, but not if, but when you face difficult times in leadership, God, he wants to give you that grace. He wants to give you that compassion. He wants to give you that wisdom so that we handle things in a way that will be beneficial to the body of Christ, that will be profitable for the body of Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to see more souls saved. I want to see more people born again. I am so thankful for the church that we have here, a body of people. When people I, I hear so many people say when they come here and visit, they say, I, I sense the love there. I feel loved by you guys. I sense the spirit of God. That's what we want to have here. And one of the most important aspects, not a lot of people talk about this uh, in, in leadership, but one of the most important aspects of leadership is protecting the culture of the church because uh, churches can become very toxic and you've got to, you've got to keep uh, the culture focused on Christ, Amen. loving each other, uh, keeping the unity of the spirit. Uh, that's one of the most important things in the body of Christ. I want people, when they walk in these doors, to sense the presence of God, to sense the spirit of God, sense the love of God, people that have their eyes focused on Jesus. I hope you don't have your eyes focused on me because none of us are perfect. I hope we don't have our eyes focused on each other. I hope our eyes are focused on Jesus because we're all a bunch of messed up, jacked up people. <laughs> we're all jacked up. But we, we serve a Savior that knows how to fix us. Amen. Praise God.